Today on the Priority Queue, OpenSense wants to be your next open source firewall. Their trademark is high-end security made easy. Interested? Good, because I've got Franco Fickner from the OpenSense core development team here to talk about it. Franco, welcome to the Packet Pushers Priority Queue. And uh, you're on the core development team, and your name is you know all over the website. So, so as a member of the the core development team, can you tell the audience what you actually do? Oh, uh, first of all, hi. Um, I'm, I'm part of the release engineering um, efforts um, in that sense, and uh, we we have a small team, so so that we tend to spread out all the all the duties that that we have. Um, and um, one of the things that I that I usually do is try to remove roadblocks for other people, contributors um, trying to record bugs and, and follow up on on people if they if they want to. Um, contribute something, then help them get this along. And I'm also giving support as time permits. So you're helping folks with their code, and I assume you're actually coding too? Yeah, from time to time, right. Okay, okay. Fair, enough. fair enough. All right, so Franco, now our audience knows what a firewall is. They know what open source is, and so we, we get that much of the story, and, and OpenSense is an open source firewall. But what makes OpenSense special in your mind? Okay, so so what we try to do is we want to build a simple and, and robust solution for the problems that the people are having, and also focus on security and and, and swift updates because one one of the best security measures is just pushing out updates, fixing bugs before anybody can exploit them, those things, and um, also building a community around that that, that can help itself and also help with coding and the polishing features and you know, helping again, building a simple, robust solution. Uh, some open source project, when you look at them, you're like, oh, that's a fun project that I might experiment with at home, but you'd never roll it out to a business. How, how, do you, how did you guys target OpenSense? I mean, is it more of a home user, kind of a hobbyist project, kind of a, a firewall? Is it, or could businesses seriously use OpenSense as well? What are your thoughts? I think it starts with the community. And um, um, since um, 2015, we've grown with the community needs. And then, of course, in the beginning, people um, don't like trying something new, especially with, with firewalls or network equipment so we had a lot of home users in the beginning some commercial people um, with simple setups but you know as, as time passed we, we we build up on this and now we have a steady stream of, of utm like additions antivirus may relay extra monitoring solutions for for those boxes and yeah we're trying to more and more now to, to bridge the gap to be able to run commercial applications as well and, and bring those back to the home users and make, and make them simple to use, um, like intrusion detection and, and web proxy. Hmm, okay. This, this reminds me, OpenSense, I mean, if you dig around the website, it was forked from PFSense, another firewall project a lot of people are familiar with, and, and Monowall, which is a project I ran you know, way back in the day. And you did that fork from PFSense and Monowall back in 2014, is, uh, is what I was gathering from your website, and first released OpenSense in January 2015. So why the fork? I mean, I'm actually using PFSense now. It's a, it's a heck of a firewall. So you mean, what was the decision to, for the fork instead of sticking with PFSense or Monowall and contributing to those efforts? What we did was we, we tried to, to bring um, new additions to, to PFSense, but it was a complicated time back then. Um, so a lot of what we tried to contribute actually didn't end up being contributed at all. So at some point, we, we just thought, okay, this, this is not going to work out for us. And then there were other problems. And we always wanted to clear and BSD type licensing. Like it was started with FreeBSD, Monowall, um, and passed 
on to, to BFSense. Also important for us was the access to the source code and that the build tools, that they just work. You have a little bit of documentation for them and then they just run and you don't have any problems with it. In the end, what we wanted to do with, with the code base and, and, and the solution was um, modernizing it, you know, bringing it up to speed with coding styles, um, also an API for um, automated scripting, things like that. Mm. So, so a lot of the ambition for the project, where, the, where you wanted to take it, that might maybe would have been tough to do with those existing projects. And then the story of, we were making changes and they weren't getting upstreamed into the project. I heard that before. It was uh, the free-range routing project started in part because of that, as I remember the story, uh, a fork from Quagga. Um, mm-hmm. People were contributing changes to Quagga. They weren't getting, you know, it's just taking a very long time to get those contributions into the main Quagga project. And at some point, enough people were like, okay, we're walking away from this and going to do free-range routing as a fork of Quagga. Uh, anyway, um, so let's say I've looked around, I've made some, uh, or I've done some investigation of OpenSense, and I, and I want to install it. Do you have a, a, a preference, or does the OpenSense project have a recommendation on bare metal versus VM? Now with Meltdown and Spectre, it would I would say bare metal in, in those cases, um, and that's what most people do. Um, also, um, a lot of embedded use in, in those areas. Um, like we have a nanotype image, um, which you just put on a, a USB stick on, or an SSD, and, and it just works. And you can also do um, read-only um, devices for removable media, where you embed configurations, and then you, you know you can just trash it and. and Get a new one, and and it and it keeps running. And virtual machines work too. There's a great integration for VMware uh, Hyper-V um, Generation Two is also uh, support for Generation Two is also coming with the next version. Yeah, and I guess I guess a lot of that comes down to uh, you know your personal taste. So, for example, on my home firewall, uh, what I'm doing is uh, is bare metal because I just wanted to devote all the hardware resources to the firewall and be able to load up any add-ons extra. Uh, inspection, et cetera, and not worry about that box be either being starved by other VMs I might be running or starving other VMs I might be running. And it's just like, yeah, here, have the box, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that just it's made me feel good to run the firewall in that way. With, of course, the disadvantages of, um, you know, of committing an entire piece of hardware to, uh, to a firewall. There's another other operational benefits from running it as a VM. But anyway, as you say, you can do either, uh, for whatever your reasons are, you can run it as a VM and you even have hooks into, um, VMware and Hyper-V environments for that. So that, that's good, uh, that that support is there. Now, OpenSense is based on free BSD. And why FreeBSD instead of Linux, since almost everything seems to be based on Linux these days? Yeah, it comes down to, to living the legacy of the project in, in, in this case, um, which just means um, someone started with FreeBSD and then we went with it. But but um, there, there have been many good reasons um, over the years. And for example, we have uh, we have a very cool uh, intrusion prevention mode for, for Suricata, which is fast and strong. Um, we have a, an excellent ports collection. Um, OpenSense itself uses over 100 third-party software ports from there, so it, it's nice to have this steady stream of, of updates coming in from there. FreeBC has excellent network performance, good hardware support overall, uh, especially for, for networking gear, um, Intel hardware. Um, Intel, Intel Nix. Um, we have um, UEFI support, and also PKG is a very cool tool to build firmware updates around. Right, not that Linux doesn't have a lot of those supporter features, but that um, you know, but you're getting them in FreeBSD in a way that you want. So that uh, I, exactly. I get it. 
Uh, plus, you get the legacy, right? As you said, that's uh, you know, PF Sense is also delivered on um, free BSD today. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, this is a security platform, and so a fair question to ask: How, how is OpenSense itself hardened from a, attack? What we try to do is um, proactive security. Um, we do code audits for things that, that we don't know about because you fork a large code base and then at some point you, you're going to have to look at, at some of the code and how does it work, why does it work, and um, is there anything that could be improved or should be improved. And for for the things that we um, fix or try to improve or replace, uh, we also have peer review, um, especially on GitHub. So just to get feel for what the code does, what it should do, what it shouldn't do. But that also means re- removing um, questionable code or, or replacing it. We always want to do secure defaults. We, we also, w- one cool thing that we did for authentication was we gave two-factor authentication and then we tied this into um, a PM module so you could use it for SSH and console access as well. That's pretty cool. We also have the hardened BSD edition, which is uh, which is uh, ASLR um, and and some other techniques. Maybe we can get into that later. Um, we also have a core team member who's a co-founder of hardened BSD, so um, we're contributing around those things and have a really quick response time um, for for those uh, for those solutions. And we have a long task ahead. Uh, of us for privilege separation um, of the GUI because that, that currently runs in, in, in root environment HP after all. So we have to take out all the privilege operations and do that bit by bit and to improve the security eventually. Ooh, that sounds painful <laughs> to get all that done. Oh man. But, but right. Okay. It can so be. The, yeah. There, there's a lot there that uh, makes the box itself secure, uh, but inevitably things come up and, um, and particularly when you're integrating a bunch of packages, uh, like Suricata you mentioned, there's patches that are going to come out. So what is the process to, uh, to, for me to update OpenSense? Well, there's a GUI button. Well, you, can, you can just use it. You, you, you get an overview of the packages that are going to be updated. And um, we also have um, release notes in, in there um, right now, which, which are delivered uh, along those Along those updates, and you can browse the, the the change log as well. If you have skipped a couple of versions, and then you say, "Okay, now I want to go to the to the next version," that's also the reason why we use the FreeBSD port three because um, we can go to um, the, the the used releases really really fast. We, we use the like the the top version um, or the fastest um, branch of the tree to get the to get the updates. We also have a tool for um, patching um, our own scripting or config files. Um, it's called OpenSense Patch, and then you can just take a. It's it's pretty cool. You you just give it a, a commit hash of um, of the Git commit that you want to patch, and then it pulls that off GitHub from from a secure location, and then it installs it in the system. So we can um, also um, patch or test patches quickly. Um, you can also use a, a cron shop for, for nightly updates. You can use an API to um, check for updates and to also update the box remotely. Well, these are some of the things that you can do. So you're saying you've, you've barely thought about it. Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's like 15 <laughs> things you can do to keep the box updated. I got it. All right. Um, so, you know, when patching, so this is a, this is a two-part question. You know, one, if it's a, just a standalone box and I patch, does that mean I've got a service interruption? 
And if it does, does that mean I would use the high availability feature of OpenSense to uh, to avoid dropping packets during a patch? Mm -hmm. So um, what we try to do is when we have an update that requires a reboot, um, which is then it, it, it will tell you, um, do you want to reboot? Um, do you want to update this now? And so, so, so there's some leeway when you want to, want to install this or use the cron job in that case um, to do a nightly nightly run and to circumvent um, breaking the, the entire office for, for a couple of minutes. Um, but, but, but there's also a, like an active passive uh, carb solution that, that, that you can do where you, when you take one box offline, then the other one takes over and hopefully people won't, won't even notice. Okay, so with the with the HA feature then, where I can do active... Well, is that all I can do? Is that just active standby, or is it like a clustering solution where I could throw a bunch of firewalls into the group if I wanted? Well, no, as far as I know, it's only for two firewalls at this point, where you sync the configuration to the other firewall, and, and also um, you can additionally sync the states between the firewalls to, to keep the connections going. Ah, beautiful. That was my next question. Can I sync state uh, between them? And if the answer is yes, then that means, right, if the new firewall becomes active, it'll still have a state table, and it will know as flows hit it that these are uh, current in the state table and should be permitted or denied appropriately. So that, um, yeah, that, that sounds like hitless yeah. failover to me. Okay. Exactly. Right. Okay. Now, uh, we were talking before the show, Franco, and I know that uh, you know, routing is not your deep expertise, but just, just as a, a high-level uh, question here... Uh, on your website, OpenSense is described not just as a firewall platform, but also as a routing platform. And, and there are a lot of routing nerds that listen to this show. So can you describe what routing capabilities OpenSense has? Okay. So so the idea was that um, when you switch out to firewall, um, you still have the routing. So you have multiple interfaces with multiple subnets, and then you can start um, assigning also VLANs and then just writing policies for 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 the routing itself uh, based based on what 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 a normal bsd offers or, or linux in that case um you can also do policy based routing where you use the, the packet filter but but you turn off all the uh, net functionality um that also works so you have um like a, a large toolbox for for how you want to route, um, also doing load balancing for this, like also sticky load balancing, things like that. If you have more than one um, uplink, then you can use that. Um, there's also you can also run um, intrusion detection and prevention in the, in the routing case. Um, that's no problem. Still have shaping even if you turn off the main firewall because um, shaping is done through through second firewall and previous the uh, IPFW. Um, from there you can. You know, still use the routing even if you have the, the primary firewall off and uh, essentially a routing platform. And then, of course, we have we, we already um, talked about it briefly: a Quagga or a FRR, which which is um, RIP, OSPF, BGP. Ah, okay, yeah, that was that was my next. So, if you're doing the uh, free range routing support, right, then um, you're getting the components of that stack, which gives you dynamic routing. Uh, capability mm -hmm. for uh, for the routing folks out there, and you just said RIP, uh, OSPF, and BGP, and uh, those those would be the the big three I think that people would be looking for um, if they want to announce or accept routes inbound on the box. That makes good sense. Um, what about multicast? Can it participate in a multicast uh, routing scenario? Oh, uh, I wouldn't know. 
Okay. And that, that's maybe a bridge too far anyway. I'm not sure how many people would necessarily want that, but there's a few of you people that listen that always ask me, what about the multicast support? So I thought I'd raise the question there <laughs> with Franco. Um, okay, uh, IP version 4 versus IP version 6. Well, let, let's just talk through what IPv6 functionality I have as compared to version 4. So for starters, can I manage OpenSense over IPv6? Sure, no problem there. No problem there. All right. What about uh, traffic flowing through the box, uh, transit traffic? Does it? Uh, do I have feature parity between V4 and V6? Uh, we're talking about firewall features, shaping features, routing features. Yes, of course. So was was that a question, or were you confirming for me that yes, it does all of those things? <laughs> I, I, I was confirming. Okay, so I've got um, access features, or uh, I've got uh, firewall rule set features. I've got intrusion detection uh, features there. I mean, I, essentially, I can do everything the same? Essentially, yes, for, for transit traffic. Okay. What about uh, the routing capabilities? It's whatever Quagga and FRR have in those cases. Yeah, I figured I that was going to be the answer there. And I... I've actually interviewed some of the the FRR guys, and uh, maybe I got to review that because I've forgotten myself what exactly the limitations are of FRR, <laughs> other than that's being driven by people who care about V6. So I'm assuming feature parity is there close to it, and so we'll uh, we'll assume that for open uh, open sense with a, with an asterisk of do your homework on this if V6 on open source uh, on open sense would be very important to you. Uh, and then a final IPv6 question, uh, Franco, are, are there any specific v6 limitations that are worth mentioning that maybe we didn't uh, talk about? Yeah, one of the things that, that doesn't work at the moment is um, if you do if you're doing transparent uh, web proxying um, with squid, that's currently not possible for IPv6 and also if you use a captive portal um, hotspot type um, of access, then IPv6 is not supported at the moment. Okay, so very, some very specific things: captive portal, and then uh, web pro a transparent web proxy with uh, with Squid. Fair enough, and worth bringing up. Now, I personally have a thing for QoS and uh, traffic shaping. These kinds of features are always interesting to me, and uh, and understanding what those capabilities might be in a firewall are interesting, particularly particularly like in a in a home application when you're going from probably a gigabit LAN, you know, a high speed Wi-Fi to likely a much lower speed internet connection, having QoS and traffic shaping capabilities is is nice. Does OpenSense have any of these features? Uh, yes, yes, we have. But I, I have to say, we changed a bit um, since since um, the days of, of forking and, and coming from PFSense that, that um, PFSense itself uses a, a system called AltQ, which is plugged into the main firewall um, PF. Um, but we don't use it anymore because because it's um, disabled by default in FreeBSD. So we tried to come up with a different system. And there is a second firewall, as I mentioned earlier, um, IPFW, which uh, which can do most of these use cases, um, no problem. Like limit bandwidth, share bandwidth, um, prioritize um, traffic, um, and all those things according to um, specific parameters of the of the packets itself. Do you happen to know if uh, uh, FQ Coddle is supported? That's uh, that's Flow FlowQ um, uh, Coddle, which is uh, got some pretty interesting uh, use cases, particularly for home users. 
Yeah, right. That, that's one one of the things that that, that happened while we were switching over. That 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 some guy came up and and said, "Oh, I have a patch set for for a control delay for FreeBSD for IPFW. Will you take it?" Um, so 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 we also helped um, test this a little bit before it went into FreeBSD, and, and now I think it's it's like included in, in in version eleven, and so so we're using that, and it's basically just a checkbox if you want control delay, then you have to enable it, and that's it. That is uh, that is. Forward thinking, I like that. It's one of my favorite algorithms in the in the home space for sure. Uh, well, okay. So aside from routing and uh, you know, the traffic shaping, some of the stuff we talked about, what what are your favorite OpenSense features? I mean, if you look at the the list on the website, there's uh, traffic shaping that we mentioned. You mentioned two factor authentication, IDS, IPS. Uh, I also spotted uh, NetFlow exporting is there. It can be a DNS and DHCP server. Uh, caching proxy came up as you as you mentioned. Um, any of those that you find especially cool or other things that you, we didn't mention yet that you think are uh, worth pointing out? One of the things that, that I really like are, are the updates um, because uh, they, they, they really allow you to, to look into the box what kind of services are on there. We have a vulnerability scanner um, that, that is hooked to, to some um, database that, that FreeBSD does so you can check all those packages for, for pending CVEs and if they have been fixed or not, um, you can look up the CVEs. What is what is special about this? Um, we also wrote uh, a couple of other tools um, to test um, operating system changes, updates, um, so we can quick feedback from users. We also have a utility um, command line utility to to revert packages to a state um, from a different OpenSense version. So so if you like. We're updating, we're updating Unbound, and something doesn't work anymore. And you can use this uh, OpenSense Revert tool to basically roll back the Unbound version to the last version that it was on OpenSense. And then we can just see, okay, what broke this? Um, how can we fix it? And so that, so that coupled with the, with the fast update, it enables us to, to fix something really quick. And Now, in, in PF Sense, which, as I confessed in the top of the show, is a firewall I'm running currently. Now, there, there's a packages system, and I use that packages system to add features like bind and DNS blacklisting and uh, the bandwidth D and, and so on. Now, is there a package or plugin system like this on OpenSense that allows me to easily manage the, the, the add-ins that I'm uh, loading onto the platform? Well, the, the the plugin system that, that that was in PFSense was was one of the things that we removed in 2015 just to be able to to rebuild it um, around the new FreeBSD um, mechanism for 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 package updates. And um, so 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 from the core perspective, we wrote a model view controller framework um, and uh, added a lot of plugin capable hooks um, into the main system to be able to build extensions, plugins around this um, service integrations. And so that's what we did from 2016. We added a lot of uh, plugins and um, some of them right now are Postfix, um, RSPMD, we have Quagga, we have Free Radio, Zero-Tier, um, ClamRV, we have um, HA Proxy, we have a Let's Encrypt support, um, Tink, Tor. So those things. and, and from a from a from a design perspective, we don't have to care anymore about people wanting to build a plugin, wanting to build a plugin for themselves, because they can just do it, and then maybe they want to contribute it. And there's a GitHub page where you can where they can drop it, and then we have some review sessions, and then we can integrate it for other people. And one of the one of the main things about the about the new plugin framework um, and the model view controller framework is that everything that people build. It already has an API built in 
for for the website uh, to be used um, for scripting and so on. And, and we try to get a lot of the work that you have to do initially to, to integrate something neatly with, with the GUI, with the API, with the backend, and this service needs to be set up and you have to know the PID file and then so on. We provide all that framework so you can, so you can build something new in a matter of a couple of hours. Mm. And right, so now with the rebuilt site, the, the the rebuilt, I'm sorry, package system, the way you've done it, now it's as you put it, a framework, which means it sounds quite easy to get something new added to the system if you want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as a as an end user and someone who's worked with a lot of firewall platforms over the over the years, going all the way, I think the first firewall I ever worked on was back in '96 or '7. Anyway. Uh, monitoring and reporting are really important to me as a as an operator of a firewall. So, with OpenSense, what kind of monitoring and reporting do I get? Well, um, there's there's a classic um, health reporting, which which was formerly called RRD, with the static graphs. Maybe you know those or remember them from from mm. from earlier. Uh, we changed the the front end to be um, like a dynamic modern thingy and we also added a, um, a csv export uh, for those for those things because it always comes in handy if you, if you do a look up and then no oh, i know i need those numbers for a report or something else um so that's one, one thing that we like to do we also have the the built-in netflow reporting there's there's a netflow export you can send it to multiple sources but um there's also a graphical front end where you can um, just a little bit explore the traffic types that, that, that you have, the, the, the sources and destinations, and also go a little bit more into detail um, with, the, with, with the timelines and then also export these if you really need them. So is there any, um, I mean, can I, can I customize a, a dashboard or, or something like that for myself, um, you know, using these modules or? Uh, for, the, for the NetFlow Insight stuff, not yet, no. But did they serve, and, and, and the other things like uh, the, the, the traffic monitoring um, for, for the interfaces, these things are the same. Yeah, I mean, and if I can export all those records off the box, I'm going to send it to some other platform that where I can do all that analysis anyway. So, yeah. It, it's also the better approach because we, we had a lot of people, um, they, they want to use this and they have a small embedded box and then at some point they complain, my CPU is at 100%, why is yeah. it doing that? <laughs> Right. Because people typically build reporting solutions that are separate. Yeah. yeah, that are reporting solutions, not, you know, have your firewall do double duty as uh as the reporting and uh, as the reporting engine as well. So Okay, the classic firewall problem, I'm troubleshooting a connectivity issue. Something I'm supposed to be talking through through my OpenSense firewall isn't working. So what what tools are available to me to help me figure out what's broken? We have we have firewall live logs uh, for those scenarios where you can um, you know you add a rule and you say I want to lock this rule and then you can go to to the live lock and um, filter for the specific rule so you can see if something happens in in, in this area where, where you try to, to to do something or not. Um, also the classic tools um, for for ping um, DNS lookup and and so on. These are. Well, for for most of the things that I do, these things are are enough for for those use cases. Mostly, I go to SSH and, and I try to ping from this interface and then from this interface, and then, oh, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Um, what about uh, log entries, or is there like syslog for events? So, say OpenSense drops a packet, does it 
do a uh, perform a syslog entry, and then I could you know parse through the logs and try to sort that sort it out that way. Yeah, right. That, that, that's what kind of where the live log feed get gets its information from. You can also you can also export this to to a different location. Ah, got it. Okay. For some reason, you said live log, and my brain heard live lock, like a like a like a lock and key. <laughs> so that okay, got it. Gotcha. Makes better sense now. Um, okay, OpenSense as a VPN device. Is that something I can do? Uh, sure, sure. We we have built-in capabilities for, for OpenBS. I especially love the IPsec. Um, it, it just works um, when you know what the device on the other end um, expects. So Okay, so for building like, like a B2B IPsec tunnel, right? If you know it, like it's a checkpoint firewall and you know that it expects to see subnets announced in an aggregated fashion, you know, these kind of things. You can uh, you can stand up IPsec tunnels without a lot of trouble. Yeah, right. And then some I think some of those um solutions, um what was it? Uh, I, I think it was a forty gate. They they expect all the tunnels to be separated and in in encapsulated mm-hmm. in a, in, a, in their own connection in their own phase one. Um so when you know those things, and it's easy to set them up, and, and they work. Yeah, IP, the classic IPsec. It's a standard that everyone implements differently. <laughs> what What about client termination? You mentioned OpenVPN there. I think is that um, is that my solution? I need an OpenVPN client to uh, connect into OpenSense. If we're talking specifically about, about OpenSense being the client, then then yes. Um, for 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 IPsec, you can. You can do the other thing. You can you can have like mobile browser clients um, set up as well with with user authentication. It's also no problem. Do you happen to have a package for uh, for zero tier? Uh, we we interviewed um, uh, Adam Ironko, um, the founder over at Zero Tier, and there was a that was a really interesting connectivity solution. I'm just curious if there was a package you might support. Yeah, we've we've had one for for a few months now, and um, people people have seemed to. Be really liking it. It's a it's a beautiful service, and um, basically what, what we at the moment do is only um, deliver the connectivity to their um, server, where you manage all the networks, and then you just plug them into the OpenSense, and and, and they start working. Um, it, for the plugins, we also have uh, Tink, which has been um, or is in use quite a bit. Um, as far as I know, especially in Europe, um, on the horizon we also have uh, Shadow Socks and Open Connect to be to be added to the plugins as well. Um, so another kind of concluding question here, and uh, please be honest because we've all been here with documentation on some of these projects. Some of them's pretty good, some of it's terrible. So th- how good is OpenSense documentation? Well, I, I would I would say it's uh, thorough, um, and it has pretty pictures as well to 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 to, to make it a bit lighter. To, to digest, um, but it, at the moment, it lacks basic coverage um, for topics that are already covered elsewhere um, um, in, in our former projects. Um, because when we forked, we had, a, we had to make a decision. We want to build a couple new things, and we want to document the um, the new traffic shaping, like how do you use Suricata, how, how do you do SSL fingerprinting in Suricata, and, and these things. So, so we focused on those, and and they are really snappy. Um, a lot of plugins also have uh, that kind of that quality level for the documentation. But um, if you're looking for how do I set up a firewall pool, how do I set up a special one-to-one mapping for for my internal um, server, these things um, have to be worked on. And 
since they have to be worked on, we, we decided to to um, open source the, the documentation pages um, for our next version, 18.1. Um, so that's coming up, and hopefully uh, it's going to get easier and, and uh, better, and um, the coverage is going to, to be for all the topics that, that you could wish for. Well, by open sourcing it, meaning you're going to allow the community to contribute documentation, uh, and then it'll be it'll be vetted and then published out, that kind of thing? Yeah, right. We, we put it on GitHub, and then people can do their pull requests on these magic things that they do. So, so now it's going to be, stop complaining about the documentation and write it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> What's on the roadmap? Well, well, uh... well, you, have to, you have to see um, if, if people say that there's an error in the documentation, and then somebody has to go to the documentation, and it's not on a public server. So, so somebody else, you have to make somebody else to say, can you please change this one sentence for me? And it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's not scalable. So, Underst- Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Understood. Yeah. So looking ahead, what is on the roadmap for OpenSense? What, uh, what are the big things that you guys are wanting to include in the platform going forward? One of the things that we want to do is um, we want to harden BSD completely um, and kind of leave FreeBSD um, behind because we, we feel that we can do um, better, faster things if we, if we, if we jump on board and we also discussed this internally. It's 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 a bit painful to always backport things to FreeBSD that are that are not in FreeBSD. So at, at some point, it, we make it easier we make it easier to 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 get the security stuff from HardenBSD, and then we have free time to work on some some other things or security itself again, like this. Um, it, we also no, want, no, does that that means instead of FreeBSD, you would migrate back to the Linux kernel. No, no, no. Harden BSD. is a is a derivative of. Uh, oh, Harden uh, BSD. Okay. Thank, thank you for that clarification. Okay, yeah. got it. Right, exactly. Um, we also want to do the privilege separation um, again, and and you know get the GUI out of the root um, user. We want to do um, API for all the components, um, which we're about halfway through. I think um, all of the or virtually all the new plugins. Not virtually all the new plugins they they have an API already so so that's a that's an ongoing effort at this point, and we want to kill all the all the static pages that we that we have right now that are not um model view controller because you, you know you copy a page and then it's a whole page with with the with the layout the style um the bugs and it's really really hard to maintain if you have hundreds of of those pages. Oh yeah, I know all about that. We just went through a website redesign on uh, on packetpushers.net within the last year, and uh, and right, anything that's not dynamic hurts, and uh, yeah, you want it to be dynamic as much as possible. So I I understand that for sure. A lot of people ask about uh, ZFS support because it's really good on on FreeBSD, and we've always put it off. But um, that's one of the things that, that we want to do eventually. Uh, we want to do better. Uh, remote syslog support um, FreeBSD syslog can do TCP mode as far as I know so we want to switch to syslog ng for this and um, we get it make it a little easier more configurable which kind of logs you want to send to a remote location um, we want to do ARM support eventually uh, right now we still have um, 32-bit Intel and we want to keep this for one or two more years it depends on what the next FreeBSD or, or hardened BSD version for that matter it's going to be out. Um, we want to have API docs for everything. Um, um, the best thing will be if, if that's 
automatically generated from from the source code um, and we have to find ways to do that so people are happy and we don't have to answer the question all the time look at the <laughs> javascript code how the api works it's, it's it doesn't scale as well so that, that are some other things now you mentioned arm support what uh, what's driving that do you have certain customers or, or people that want to use OpenSense that that are really asking for arm or yeah people keep asking for it and, and and some of them also have uh, commercial applications um by we make it a practice not we want to know we just we just want to know what people what people expect and um a 32-bit is is dying um and arm is is kind of a perfect replacement for this the only trouble right now that we have in the bsd scope is um arm support is um not as fast as in Linux and pretty fragmented. So um, in FreeBSD, at, at this point, um, you have to build a different kernel for um, each device, which doesn't scale. And so we have to find a solution and probably um, we go for ARM64 support where everything is more um, coherent in that sense. Now, if people listening want to help with the OpenSense project, uh, how can they get involved? Right. For anything, there's a, there's an email address. Um, if you have uh, ideas, remarks, uh, things like security, um, relevant bugs, something like this, there's project at opensense.org. We are happy about uh, every email, and we try to answer them as good as we can. Um, there's also a forum. Um, we have Twitter, GitHub, um, where you can go for support, ask questions, um, see if somebody has a problem, um, contribute code, look at the code, these things. Uh, you can also work on the translation or then the documentation that is coming up. You can send us blog posts, general feedback. Uh, we're always happy to hear that. And um, if you're up for it, you can also contribute financially for things that we have in our roadmap. And OpenSense, just so that everyone's listening, you're probably thinking O-P-E-N. It's actually O-P-N-Sense, O-P-N-Sense.org, uh, and, uh, uh, and everything else is um, like the Twitter handle and so on is, is that way, O-P-N-Sense. Um, yeah. Now, uh, uh, Franco, are you personally social? Do you have a blog or a Twitter account you'd like to share with anyone? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. no, my, my, my old uh, blog it, it's not so, uh, if, if you if you find yourself listening and are very fascinated by Franco and wish to digitally stalk him if you do a little googling I'll, I'll give you a hint that you can find uh, more Franco out there if you want oh, and, please uh, don't <laughs> but that brings us to the end of the priority queue today. And uh, hey, we got lots of podcast channels at packetpushers.net. That includes the Data Knots podcast on infrastructure engineering, the network break that covers the week's nerdy news with a dose of skepticism, and the full stack journey with Scott Lowe. And if you didn't know, I co-authored a book with Russ White on computer networking, computer networking problems and solutions, and it is out in all of its 832-page glory. Just search for it on Amazon if you're interested in seeing me, Ethan Banks, and Russ in print together. You can find this show and many more of our fine, absolutely free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's engineers like you writing about their real world experiences. That's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. We are on LinkedIn. Uh, like us on Facebook. And if you would, uh, take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts. That helps boost our ratings, help other people discover the show, and so on. Because Apple Podcasts is the 800-pound gorilla in the podcast distribution space. So last but not least... Remember that too much networking would never be enough.